The Liverpool game blew the final whistle, what, 10, 15 minutes ago? I, I don't know about you, but I'm on cloud nine right now. Steven Gerrard, lols. Lols. It was, it was so good. I was. It would have been such a shame if we'd lost that match, or even drawn, because it would have taken the shine off the gloriously hilarious moment. Like, I really... Look, I'm not in football for the schadenfreude. I really am not, but the crazy nature of him... Like, the fact that he was left off, the fact that Martin Tyler spent the whole first half going, oh, yes, you see, this wouldn't be happening if Steven Gerrard was here. But no, uh, Liverpool... Well, to to be fair, he did make Liverpool better by getting himself sent off, and then they they became a functional side with ten men. Yeah, interesting United's intensity dropped. But, you know, we can get to the negative parts later, uh, because there weren't very many, were there? Gerrard's... Of course, it's going to dominate all the headlines. Of course, it's going to dominate the media commentary because, you know, it's Gerard and it's Liverpool and he seems to be on some kind of six-month-long funeral procession, doesn't he? So another reason for the cop to give a minute's silence, although they gave about 90 minutes silence uh, on Sunday, didn't they? You know, typical of the, the cop these days. But but let's let's talk about something positive first. And for 60 minutes, United were excellent, uh, really excellent, controlled the tempo of the game. Uh, passed it quickly, pressed really high all the time, including Maran Fellaini, who's that's not always been his strong point. Kept the ball superbly, 60% possession in those first 45 minutes. Just a, a really top performance for about an hour or so, and then and then it kind of tailed off towards the end and got a little bit nervous where it shouldn't have done. Yeah, there was a little hint of that nerviness at the end of the first half when Liverpool had a, a good 10-minute spell. But yeah, just to, to kind of come back to the thing about United's excellence, I think I think you may have said the very words, we're not going to go to Anfield and get 65% possession on last week's podcast. But well, I don't we know. didn't, we, we only got 60% possession. <laughs> yeah, but in the first half, I'm pretty sure it was, it was certainly in the first 10 or 15 minutes, we just absolutely battered them. And basically, what Van Gaal's done is he's, he's made the team that Barcelona could have been if they'd successfully incorporated Zlatan, right? Because you got this brilliant tiki-taka and and then you've got Fellaini that you can lump it up to as well. Absolutely perfect com- combination. Yeah, well, the thing that makes the complete difference uh, in, in the way United playing now from the way the United... And I say now, I mean, you know, a game and a half. Yep. <laughs> from the way United were playing for the previous 30 games this season uh, is is the pressing, right? And and it had happened so intermittently. And, and it is a Van Hal trait, but um, the tempo just dropped right throughout the team as a result of that. And so we have tempo. United playing with some pace. And yet, yes, they are playing a lot of long balls still. It was depending on which stats base you read. 12 to 17 and a half percent and and it's that's consistent through the season so you know to do play a lot of long balls but it and you know some stupid desperate stuff at the end but but it was the the speed of the passing that was that was really impressive from United today that's what we want from United that that's the kind of play that will get United close to titles uh, in the next season or so you know with a few pieces tinkered in the side over the summer that's what we'd like to see uh, and that was great to see from United that that starts to make me feel like there may be some kind of pattern because they played the same way against Liverpool as they had done against Tottenham. Kind of a shame in both games that it didn't last for the the whole 90 minutes, but that's been churlish, right? 1-2-1 at Anfield. Yeah, and I I think it was really noteworthy that Van Gaal selected the exact 11 that he'd done against Tottenham rather than trying to adapt to the fact that we were going to Anfield to face a Liverpool side in really good form. I think that was really bold of Van Gaal and, and United didn't by any stretch of the imagination play like the away side did they until the the last period of that game that was just very bold very attacking brilliant for 
um, matter. He said in the pre-match interview, Van Gaal did, that people who know him would know that the side would be unchanged after a performance like that because he's never going to drop players that get a performance like that out. So I thought that was just an Mm. interesting point. Interesting point, although I, I'm, I'm not sure I fully believe him because no, he has neither. been picking sides for for you know for horses for courses this season, hasn't he? Um, and and Liverpool play a very different style of football to Tottenham and obviously away at Anfield. So um, I actually had the same side. I, I guessed like ninety percent of other United fans that he probably would keep the the same side, but. Um, but you know, I wouldn't surprise me completely if he'd tried to play, a, you know, a less possession-based football and play more on the break and bring Di Marin for for Mata. In the end, that was a great decision, wasn't it? I mean, it would have been a completely different game if Mata hadn't been there controlling uh, much of United's tempo. And the really interesting thing about the way United play, and another reason that I'm convinced Van Gaal <laughs> listens to this podcast, uh, is that United played with so much width. So if you look at the four players who touch the ball most often in the United side, it's it's Blint and Young and Mata and Valencia, right? So United shipped it out to the wide areas all the time and tried to find that space between the right and left sided of the three centre backs and the wing backs and, and exploited it brilliantly. I mean, uh, Mourinho had a horrible, horrible game in the first half and Sterling was out of position loads, you know, great going forward. He's no wing back. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, that really helped United dominate play and create openings in that first half. Yeah, and once again, crucial execution because Juan Mata's two goals, I mean, we'll come on to the second goal. Just need to be still my beating heart and just dab dab the tears out of my eyes at the kind of beauteous moment that was that second goal. But the the first goal was phenomenal too, like an, a brilliant finish from Mata. That was a chance that really needed finishing, wasn't it? A, a, a straightforward finish wouldn't have done the job and he got it right into the corner of the net. Mignolet got, I think, a flick of a glove to it, but a, a phenomenal uh, bit of execution from Mata uh, from a chance carved out from exactly what you're talking about. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Herrera through the gap between the, the centre-back and the wing-back and, and Mata, excellent finish, excellent finish with his right foot. And and that was just, it was just obvious. Uh, and I thought United got it spot on. Uh, Van Gaal got it spot on. Hasn't lots and lots of times this season he's, he's taking criticism as a result. Uh, but this, this worked out perfectly. Um, the only thing that would have been more perfect is if United could have kept that intensity up when they were completely on top. And uh, I suppose if if Di Maria and, and Rooney had managed to combine properly um, uh, after Di Maria came on and uh, the ball just went behind Wayne, then that would have killed the game completely. But uh, as it as it happened, the momentum kind of swung towards Liverpool at the end, and it shouldn't have done really with a, a man less than United uh, superior in midfield. But but there you go held out in the end yeah I think a lot of it is to do with confidence I I thought this in the first half there there was a moment for 10 minutes at the end of the first half when the Anfield crowd got got behind the team again Liverpool put in a couple of challenges and United just looked they suddenly looked a little shaky like Herrera skied a clearance I think somebody else also made like a really basic error and there was just one or two things happened in a row where you could see that once Liverpool started to try and assert themselves back on the game and United weren't going to have it all their own way, there isn't a kind of, there isn't steely determination through the heart of this United side. There, There's a lot of enthusiasm, there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of will to win for sure. But, you know, Roy Keane, none of them are. You know, they, they, they are a team that you can get at, um, I think, because they've all... They've all suffered so much from the kind of transition and it's all been 
very shaky uh, and not not one of them has been consistently brilliant for a long time apart from De Gea who ironically made a mistake today so yeah I, I think that kind of there is there's an inherent lack of confidence that needs that means that like one or two performances aren't going to shift that it's going to take a run of games and it's going to take some kind of some outcomes you know qualification from the champ for the champions league is a start but to really bed it in you're going to start have to start winning trophies at some point well trophies is where it's at now obviously not this season but uh it puts united in pole position to qualify for the champions league what's that 5.6 point gap over liverpool five point effectively six points with the the superior goal difference only the two behind city and the one behind arsenal united are right in this Uh, and we said all along that this period of games would be a real test for united Uh, but spurs and liverpool could have been two real banana schemes and there's six points massive six points for united Uh, i don't think we can underestimate that if United qualify for the Champions League these two games will have been absolutely pivotal in it and and right now you'd say that United have a, a really really strong chance of doing that a really strong chance uh, given that there is now some momentum with the side of of you know, maybe even reaching second yeah absolutely because the thing about those six points is they're not like so many of the points we've earned this season nothing scrappy about them you know they, an absolute dominance of Spurs and and again against Liverpool I, I, you know it's very easy for the last 20 minutes of that game to kind of sway your sway the impact of the way that the impact it has on you because you've spent 70 minutes watching United batter them and then the last 20 minutes was just like edge of the seat kind of nerve jangling stuff um and as you say it didn't have to be but really that was a very very good performance i mean when did we last play that well at anfield i mean i genuinely cannot remember the last time we played that well at anfield well definitely not last season that was horrible uh, yeah, no, a- absolutely. And uh, the, the kind of dominance of the performance for so long as well. And uh, I guess the uh, the narrative uh, from uh, those uh, not in the United camp will be that uh, it was a plucky Liverpool uh, performance near the end. But the reality was that they created you know, very few chances to Liverpool, despite having a brighter last half hour. In fact, only one shot on target, uh, which was the goal. So, um, you know, in the end, uh, a very, very good and comfortable performance from United. Anyway, look, let's talk about some of the details because uh, this is interesting. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't quite got to it. We, we talked a little bit about Juan Mata's first goal, lovely finish. What about the second goal? Uh, just a little bit t- touch of Negretti for Mexico versus Bulgaria in the 1986 World Cup. Ah, oh, I mean that's my favorite. That's that Negrete goal is my favorite goal growing up because I couldn't I couldn't get past the emotional blow of the Maradona goal. Um, so that Negrete goal was my favorite goal of that tournament, and that to see Mata score a tribute to it like that was just absolutely beautiful. At Anfield, a crucial, crucial goal at Anfield, and he's done that. That because the the thing about that is he's also had to put the ball in a very exact specific spot. It was not easy to beat Mignolet from that angle, was it? It was absolutely perfect execution. Di Maria with a very lovely kind of weighted through ball, because the ball, United had possession and the ball broke and Mata was really lively in getting the ball back. It's kind of outside the box in the, in the right wing position. And of course he passed it to Herrera because BFFs forever and all that. Herrera finds Di Maria who dinks that, over the back line in that kind of classic lofted through ball way. And the decision from Mata to go for it was so full of confidence and so full of kind of, you know, trust in his own ability. And, and to do that was, it was just awesome. 
Oh, just a beautiful execution, just absolutely perfect. Shape of the body, uh, connection with the, the lofty possum Di Maria, about the only good thing Di Maria actually managed on the day. Uh, lovely assist for him. I mean, it ruins all the people who like uh, data, I mean, me included, Di Maria, because uh, just look at the numbers and he can barely pass a ball. But uh, yet another assist that's nine in the Premier League this season and, and just a, a lovely finish from Mata. Just Perfect all round hugs. XOXO. <laughs> Abrazos. Abrazos. Yeah, Di Maria, the second leading assist maker in the Premier League uh, in his disastrous, floptastic first season. He should have had another assist. Uh, we haven't talked about any of the negatives really from this game, much apart from the shakiness, but uh, your boy Waza not exactly killing it at Anfield once again. He had a horrible Terrible game. performance all the way through the first half. United was just so good, but Rooney still managed to be terrible in the midst of it and it didn't get any better for him. Well, no, it almost looked like he wasn't fit. And I did hear rumours that he wasn't fit, but uh, it kind of seemed like that. He wasn't moving properly. And, and of course, you know, you could you could kind of half blame Rooney for that, that chance that was missed at the end where Di Maria broke down the left and played the ball behind him because you'd kind of expect the striker at the back post to check his run. Um, and Rooney didn't. He just kind of carried on running straight through. So, yeah, horrible performance from Rooney, uh, kind of culminating in a, another penalty miss. His career penalty stats are below 70%. and. It's not good, given that the kind of global uh, average, if you've ever read Soconomics, is above 90% or something like that. Now, I do wonder why he keeps uh, getting them, especially as one matter was on a hat-trick. And Falcao's on the pitch desperate for a goal as well. You know, it's, uh, there was a lot of possible narrative options, narrative-based penalty decision options, but Rooney went for it himself. And I mean, it wasn't a terrible penalty. I've seen worse. Mignolet kind of just picked a direction and sprung in the way you're supposed to but it was eminently savable wasn't it yeah it was so is that and then uh, we haven't got on to stamp gate yet <laughs> two there were two of them uh, so gerard rightly sent off for uh, stamping on and herrera uh, i mean he came on obviously feeling like he had a uh, point to prove because he went flying into a tackle straight away uh, and then uh, try to take and herrera's leg off yeah i mean he gave a post-match interview gerard saying he totally accepts that it was completely wrong and he just did it because he saw studs flying at him and he just Lost it for a second, and you know, it's you can you can understand that on a human level. But what an idiotic thing to do to your team in that situation! Like, just the emotion of it obviously just got the better of him, and he he flipped out. Uh, and and very good decision. The linesman uh, called it, I think, by the looks of the uh, video replay, where you can see him mouthing. It's a stamp uh, and insta red, like to send Gerard off in his last ever Anfield game against Man United. It's quite bold refereeing, really. It is, and not uh, what I'd expect from Martin Atkinson, not being a fan of United for some time. Or, or he's, he's not been a friend to United for some time. I don't want a you know, FA charge. <laughs> it's on the rank cast. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> banned, banned from podcasting for three weeks. <laughs> that's right, too right. Well, I'll tell you what, who should, who should be banned from doing something for three weeks is Martin Skirtle, who uh, had a go at David De Gea. No accident about that one. A definite attempt at stamping right at the end of the game. Should have seen red, and I don't think he saw a card at all, which means that we could have a video judgment on this one, I think. David De Gea is double hard, though, isn't he? He's just got stamped on. He can hardly walk. He still wants to go and start on Skirtle. He does, but you've seen his misses. He's got, he's got to show he's, you know. I think it's the metalhead in him. I think it's, you know, listens to a lot of that kind of driving, those driving riffs. He's got them pumping through his veins, so he wants to go and start on Skirtle. 
Yeah, well, good. Good on him. Well, it'll be a nice memory, won't it? When he's in Madrid. (laughs) When he's in Madrid. (laughs) Yeah, we can joke about it now because it's obviously going to happen and the laughter hides the pain. But yeah, it was was a good day for the good guys in the end. And and Juan Mata, after getting that beautiful ovation as he came off the pitch against Tottenham, those things make a difference. So he mentioned it in his blog um, and... You could see that it meant a lot to him at the time. And he said in his blog that it was one of those moments he'd never forget. And, you know, the performance that he then put in, it's a real kind of thank you to those fans that gave him that ovation. And I'm sure he'll uh, get a lovely reception on Saturday at, at Old Trafford. Indeed, indeed. Well, you know, anyone who scores twice at Anfield is immortalised forever. Love, lovely interview with Diego Forlan this week uh, about his uh, brace at Anfield all those years ago. Not a great time at Old Trafford, but he'll always be remembered for that one. Yeah, he will. It will. And he said, um, he said he still gets goosebumps when when he thinks of the, about the fact that United play, the United fans sing his name every week. That's lovely. Uh, an early an early rank cross question from at follow my trawler who says how much credit should Kai Guo Kiang take for our recent upturn in form? That's the Chinese gunpowder based artist that Huamata mentioned in his blog last week. I think that might be modern art. Oh really? Following our conversation last week, you said he was into the the classics. The classics, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, all right, no, fair enough. Fair Fol- enough. Following Hoofgate, we have Artgate. <laughs> yeah. By the way, man, I've taken so much stick on twitter for not understanding math but two people who have actual maths degrees and stuff backed me in this i may not have expressed my point correctly but i do understand the fundamental concept of a percentage just like to make that abundantly clear i'm 42 percent sure you're right on that one (laughs) some cracking quotes from van hal in the aftermath of this game i don't know whether you're following this but uh, he he said uh, it was the most important win of his career See, is is David Mo- Louis Van Gaal better than David Moyes? See previous quote for uh, abundant proof forever and ever. Yeah, very good. He said uh, one matter is playing as a false right winger. <laughs> Love that. Tactics nerds. Yeah, didn't come up with that one, did you? Very good. Yeah, no, all around, just fantastic. I mean, it, it really wouldn't have mattered how United won this game. I wouldn't have cared if the referee grabbed the ball and thrown it in the net, <laughs> bouncing it off Steven Gerrard's head, you know that? <laughs> That would have been perfect, in fact. Yeah, that might have been even better. But uh, yeah, it doesn't matter how you win at Anfield. But but the fact is, United went there, dominated for a very long period of time, uh, scored two absolutely fantastic goals, and are now five points clear of Liverpool, pressing Arsenal and City uh, at the top of the, the table. You know, only five points behind Chelsea now. They've got two games in hand. <laughs> One of them's against Hull, I think. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. that'll be all right. Yeah, no, no, I mean, United are not going to win the Premier League, uh, of course. But just imagine the narrative changes completely from worrying about whether United would make the top four two games ago, and and there being real genuine worries because you know Liverpool, Arsenal are, were in better form. Mm. To now we can press City and and go into the next season with a genuine sense of momentum. Of course, look, there's eight games to go, and a lot can change between now and then. For sure. Uh, for sure, yeah. But it now feels like there is momentum behind the club again. And it's been a while, hasn't it? It feels good. Yeah, it feels really good. And one thing that I was thinking about after the podcast last week, and, and generally the narrative around the Tottenham game, was that Tottenham were really poor. And I, I couldn't help thinking that was quite convenient, because actually Tottenham have been excellent up to that game. And I think there was a good extent to which we made them look even worse than they were. I mean, there were some poor individual performances. But it was the same against Liverpool. Like Liverpool looked terrible. 
in the first half of that game until the last 10 minutes of the first half. Like, really, really bad. And that's a side that's been one of the most functional teams in the Premier League. They had a slight wobble against Swansea last week, but they've, they've played some really, really good football. And they've certainly not looked like bang average for a really long time, but we made them look absolutely bang average. And, and that's what possession-based football can do, isn't it? Like, the, the United team that lost the final against Barcelona in 2011 might not be the greatest United team of all time, but it was not a bad team, but they were made to look hopelessly out of their depth by a team executing that style of football as well as it's ever been done. Yeah, so it yeah, is that very good. Anyway, football, it's good stuff, isn't it? It is. Well, on a day like this, it, it certainly is good stuff. And United, uh, do we go into the international break now and uh, then a uh, game against Villa and then the home game against City? I mean, talk about talk about potential momentum. I, I know Villa have, uh, you know, sort of-ish, semi-partial resurgence uh, at the moment. Uh, not really. But it's a game United definitely should win, just to solidify. Uh, you have to follow it up, said Van Hal after the Tottenham win, and uh, United did that. And, and you know, go to Villa in great confidence. A game United should win. That would be three, four wins on the bounce, whatever it is, um, and in perfect position. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited about the fact that I get to go to that Villa game. Um, I'm sticking to my rigid principles of only going to see us play teams in the bottom half of the table. Not just because I want to see us win or anything, but, you know, that keeps happening. You can keep your big games. I'm going to go and see us play Hull, Newcastle and Villa. I think West Ham is the only game I went to against a team in the top half of the table all season long. So that that run continues. Uh, And it is a big game and we'll we'll come on to that, do some sort of preview, although it's a a hard game to preview because there's the international break beforehand. But how do you fancy some Twitter questions, Ed? Let's go for it. At ADZ Button says, Mata and Herrera are linking up very well. Do you think they're secretly in love? Thoughts on them too? I don't think there's much secret about it. I, I think, you know, that is a, a beautiful, beautiful bromance, isn't it? Well, well add the hair in there for a you know, menage a trois. Yeah, quite. But, you know, the platonic footballing kind. It, it definitely works, though, Mata and Herrera, doesn't it? I mean, you can see they absolutely love playing together and they think about the game in the same way and they've come from the same school of upbringing don't they football wise and and you can just see it they the fact that the two of them are on the same side of the pitch is is making a big difference right yeah i mean it adds to united's sense of you know tippy tappy pass and move tippy tappy tiki taka pass and move uh, moving the ball with speed and then hoof up to fellaini uh, abdullah husseini says could anyone have picked a better scenario for this game well i think see see previous one about the referee throwing it in off steven gerrard's ass that that might have been better but now th- this was pretty good uh, Gerard going down and, and United winning at Anfield with a couple of superb goals. At Tipsy Nawab says, exactly how long did you laugh for after Gerard's red? Was it seconds or minutes? I was like, I really need to stop laughing at this because it's not seemly. And also we could still lose this game from here. But I just couldn't stop laughing at it. It's not really about Gerard the man for me. I don't have any particular malice towards Gerard the man. It's Gerard the narrative construct that made it funny. Well, yeah, I, I neither like Gerard the man nor the narrative construct. Now, you know, the whole concept of Gerard that gets my goat, uh, the sooner he, he's off in the MLS, the better for me. Uh, although, you know, he'll be gnashing and wailing at the BBC and Sky over his departure, no doubt. I laughed a very long time. I thought it was funny. I don't care whether it's unseemly or not. <laughs> he's got quite a vine reel, hasn't he, Gerard? Slippy Stampy Gerard. Uh, slippy Stampy Divey Gerard. Someone needs to put that together. A compilation of all his slips, dives and stamps. At Corey Rote raises a very important point. 
Are you concerned that LVG may knock Ryan Giggs out after one of our goals, given our current form? Ryan Giggs does not like it when Van Gaal aggressively pats the side of his face after they celebrate goals. Those micro-expressions in the moments after it happens are not micro-expressions of love. Uh, He needs to stop doing it genuinely. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, It's not Van Gaal who's allowed to give Ryan a bit of slap and tickle, is it? Apparently it's everyone else, right? At Joe underscore Cooper underscore says, Is Juan Mata the greatest man in the history of the club? Eric Cantona, Joe. Eric never scored twice at Anfield. No, that's true, but he did score the winner in the FA Cup final against them. And was Eric Cantona? And was Eric Cantona, yeah. We'll think about this one again next season after Juan Mata scored a hat-trick at Anfield, then we'll, we can revise this. No, no, clearly he's not the greatest man in the history of the club, but he's the greatest man in the history of the universe for this small moment. Uh, at Wormito says, can you recommend a comedy film that is as funny as Gerard sending off? No, just just go and watch Gerard slipping uh, last season for comedy. Monty Python's Life of Brian is probably the funniest film ever made, I reckon, on balance. It is just slightly funnier than that Gerard sending off. At MUFC, underscore, all these questions that you will notice, unsurprisingly, have a bit of a theme. At MUFC underscore Josh93 says, Winning at Anfield in Gerard's final game against us and he gets sent off. Has football peaked? <laughs> yeah, peak football. Uh, awesome, yes. Uh, it doesn't get much better. Although, that said, it is one game and United will finish this season trophyless. Just put a downer on things. <laughs> yes, but as at Etna underscore UK says, Is that the best game at Anfield ever? <laughs> The best. It's close to it. <laughs> it's the best game that's ever happened at Anfield. Okay, at Alex Chase eighty three says, "How important was Fellaini today? Has he finally, begrudgingly, earned his starting place? He was excellent today. I thought, genuinely, very good indeed. Very good. I mean, he didn't have a lot of the ball, but he was a he was an outlet, wasn't he, for United and um, the the target of De Gea's love on." 75 times, uh, not quite that, but you know. <laughs> he offered some defensive support down the left-hand side, some physicality in the centre and midfield, and a driving force going forward, you know. So he didn't. I, I'm not sure he was as good today as he was against Spurs. Yeah, maybe. As I said, I think the real key to unlocking Liverpool today was the width uh, rather than Fellaini, but not a bad game at all. At Sean KDLA says, Mr. Match, did much happen? No, I wouldn't worry about it. At underscore Paul underscore D underscore, that's a lot of underscores, says... Are we, at long last, starting to see the fruits of Van Gaal's philosophy? And I think it's very tempting to see the last two games as being that, because this is what we all expected United would look like under Van Gaal. But what's really interesting is that he's ended up being sort of forced into it. Like, he's he's playing his formation and his style of play, but it's taken a really long time, and he's doing it by not playing all the players that he was favouring earlier in the season. Like, how crucial is it that Van Persie got injured? What would be going on if he hadn't? Well, right, and and one up top is is what you and I have talked about for quite a long time. Uh, being and 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 I think the the key thing here is that the the shape and the balance of the side appears to fit the talent on hand, right? At last, and, and that's that's what was so frustrating about all those changes earlier in the season. So I don't know if this is about the philosophy. I think the philosophy is is coming out in some of the patterns of play. I think the higher tempo 
passing and the pressing is definitely a Van Hal trait, right? This is why we were excited when he came along, because he does produce teams that play that kind of football. And that hasn't been for a very long time. And I don't think that has really got much to do with um, the fact that he was you know, struggling to get his message across. It doesn't take that long to change his style. But I do think he's been extremely pragmatic uh, most of the time and just trying to change teams around to, to win a particular match or to suit the circumstances. And that's led to some pretty ugly football. So is this the philosophy? Well, I'd like to think so. Um, I'd, I'd like to think there's one further change and that's getting another technical player in there for Fellaini because I don't think we actually need to lump it up to him all the time to play that kind of football and it would make United both uh, more dangerous in an attacking sense a bit more fluid and you know a real threat next season the thing that's so confusing about this to me is that Herrera and Mata look like the two players in United squad most able to execute that kind of football and yet they've been in the cold for a lot of the season although you know Mata had a very lengthy run in the side at one point sort of before Christmas um, and, and had played a lot a lot of minutes by that point but Herrera it's taken him ages to break through into the side and, and it's it's only since the two of them that have come in that obviously our, our two best performances by Miles have featured them. So it, it, Van Gaal's season as a whole has been very confusing, but it does seem to be coming good. So many questions along a theme. At Jazifer saying, how long do you think the queue is to propose to Juan Mata? At Pash021 saying, when will you propose to Juan Mata? At Trafford saying, how beautiful is Juan Mata? And at people's person saying, on a scale of one to ten, how many babies do you want with one matter? He's a he's a very nice man. I, I would rather be his friend than marry him. Yeah, very good and anatomically difficult for you to have a baby with him. Absolutely. Impossible, you might say. Well, you could give it a try. I mean, just, just you know, be polite, wouldn't it? I don't want to. Can't I just appreciate him for what he is? No. Okay. Uh, at MUFC, Colin says, was this more hilarious than Arsenal away? That is a very, very good question. Yes. Do you think so? Well, just because of the the uh, the story around the the narrative that is Steven Gerrard. Yeah, that makes it extremely funny. If, if if Gerrard hadn't been sent off, then it would have been a very good performance followed by a nervy finish. Yeah. Um, and less less humour there. But uh, I mean, Arsenal was funny because we completely robbed them, uh, and this was funny because Steven Gerrard mucked up yet again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did the pitch change from four landfield? to Juanfield today asks Biznop. Good, very good. There's no answer for that question, but I, I had to get in there because that's high quality wordplay. At Sutcliffe says, where do you think we'll finish? Yeah, hard one to say. Right, right at the moment, we still have some really tough games. So yeah, City, Chelsea and Arsenal to come and that would lead, and only eight games left, right? So um, that would lead me to think that fourth or maybe just third is more likely. But hey, momentum and all that it can it could be crucial and, and City don't have much at the moment. City at home, that's a winnable game if we play like we did today and last week. There's no reason we shouldn't beat City at home if we play anything like that. And it and it kind of looks like Van Gaal's gonna unless it goes disastrously wrong against Villa. Because City comes before Chelsea, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It goes Villa, City, Chelsea, uh, some others dot 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 dot. Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. We speculated it might be Newcastle last week, but it isn't. Crystal Palace, maybe, I don't know, I can't remember who else. But well, no, Palace is playing well at the moment, so yeah, yeah that, that would, certainly won't be... Pardew. Yeah. Everton away as well, that's a potentially tricky fixture, although they've been a, a train wreck for a lot of the season, but they're marginally less train wreckish, aren't they, at the moment, so who knows but yeah I, I think we'll probably finish fourth but I wouldn't be surprised if we finish second because so much of it depends on what other teams do doesn't it 
you know, it's not just about our results where we finish. Um, although if we win all our games, we do finish second. Assuming we're not going to win all our games, then then it depends on how consistent Arsenal and City can manage to be between now and the end of the season. But the fact that we've, you know, these last two games, and you said it earlier in, in the show, Ed, that the last two games are absolutely massive, these six points that we've just won, because they're points against the teams directly below us. And and it's just a huge swing in our favour in, in the last couple of games. And in terms of solidifying our chances of getting fourth place, but plenty of chance to muck that up too, so we'll see. And and the first chance comes after the international break, when I guess most of our players will be involved, won't they? We haven't got too many players who are not internationals. Herrera's not in the Spain squad, but, you know, more fool them if you ask me. Well, on this this form, yeah, there'll, there'll be quite a few away. Michael Carrick back in the England squad, should have been all along. Uh, Michael Carrick with a brand new contract, of course. Extra year, well earned, I think, a very important part of the side at the moment. No surprise that, that things are going well with him back in the team. Although he, uh, he was highly at fault for Liverpool's goal and he still has got that in him, hasn't he? He's still got the kind of foibles that he's always had. A combination of Jones and, and Carrick and De Gea possibly somewhat at fault for Liverpool's goal but but Carrick with a horrendous mistake there Big Dave beating his near post not very good either no, not good in fact yeah maybe maybe we could just award everyone that was involved in that move with a new contract it's, Phil Jones might not deserve one but it's a small price to pay for, for getting De Gea signed up but yeah I think an extra year is right for Carrick I, I wouldn't necessarily think we should be giving him a two year contract given his age and all that but a, an extra year would be good I think Pretty standard stuff in the world of United. One uh, year contracts for those over 30. So, well, that was United at Anfield. Fantastic victory. And we move on to Villa away after the international break. I guess we'll preview that now because we don't normally do an international break show. So what do you reckon? Got to be a three-pointer, hasn't it, for United? If we play anything like our potential, then we'll play them off the park. And and the kind of exciting thing is this: the Liverpool game was much more exciting than the Tottenham game because that was amazing, but it could easily have been a one-off. But the fact that we've done it twice in a row, depending on how our team survives the international break in terms of fitness, if we can bring the sort of same eleven back, I mean, Young might get a chance to... to recover from whatever knock he picked up that made him need to go off and if not then you know I'm certainly not ready to give up on Angel Di Maria although the the clamour to call him a fraud is uh, is growing all the time but people are so quick to judge these things and uh, incorrectly many times but yeah so look at playing the same 11 Villa have had definitely improved under Tactics Tim, including smashing Sunderland off the park, although there is some implication there that Sunderland's players were not fully committed to the cause of keeping Gus Poyer in a job. Um, Really? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, well, uh, mm, I I think that may be true. Three wins in the last four for Villa, uh, if you include that, um, the FA Cup game against West Brom as well. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of momentum for them, I suppose. They haven't actually played anyone decent. Two wins over West Brom in that and in Sunderland, who are truly dreadful. Villa need the points, though, don't they? Desperate for them. They're they're a couple of points off the relegation zone. Sucked right into it. Uh, They still could go down, although I, I think it... It is, you know, likely QPR and Leicester are definitely down and then it's sort of two from four uh, for the remaining spots. It's their cup final. Uh, I'm trying to find reasons for United uh, for Villa giving us a game. Uh, I'm not sure. After today, United got to feel confident, though. Yeah, I mean, basically, I'm not really worried about Villa giving us a game. I'm just worried about whether or not we turn out to we turn up because that's what this season's been all about. But our home record against the smaller clubs has been excellent. The blip against Swansea... Uh, the loss against well Southampton have have not been one of the weaker sides this season by any means. So 
really, generally speaking, our home form has been such that it seems somewhat preposterous to predict anything other than a comfortable United win. How comfortable will depend on on the quality of our execution again. Uh, but I'd say a similar eleven, a similar system, and let's get another three points and start thinking about booking tickets to go on holiday in various European destinations next season. Yeah, that isn't that a nice thought? Yeah, Swansea away being our only <laughs> European trip this season. You're right. Uh, Saturday three o'clock kickoff as well, which is always very nice. Yes, I'm very happy about this. That is basically why I'm going because I've worked out it's easier to get to Manchester than it is to try and find a good stream. Proper dedicated hardcore fan, me. So, should we predict what we think the score's going to be in that game, having done a thorough preview of it? Well, I think United are going to win comfortably. I, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go wild, and I'm going to say a four-nil win to United. Wow, <laughs> I cannot be that optimistic about United this season. I've just had I've had my hope somewhat beaten out of me. I, I keep expecting disaster around every turn, so I'm only going to predict a two-nil win. I'm not sure that counts as a disaster, but it's close enough. So we've got a bit of a. We're not sure when the next podcast will be. You'll be amazed to hear. We might end up having to do one in the international break to make up for the fact that producer Tom is away for two weeks in April and isn't going to be able to edit the podcast. So absolute disgrace. It's just unbelievable. Swanning around the world for work, Ed. Who would do a thing like that? And and to think, you know, you might think we don't pay him or something. Oh wait, wait, we don't. <laughs> All out of the kindness of his heart. So uh, the rank car schedule will be a bit patchy. You'll be shocked, shocked to hear the rank car schedule will be patchy. Yes, well, you know what you should do? You should go into iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or your podcatching software of choice and press subscribe and then you'll never miss it and it doesn't matter when it comes out. Yes, absolutely, that's true. You should do it, all your friends do, and you'll you'll look odd if you don't yeah. or something. Oh, no, let's go with the, the, the carrot rather than the stick. You'll be super cool if you do. Someone else who's super cool, I wanted to talk about this uh, a bit earlier because it was a theme on this show a while back, the Galluminati. They've returned, Paul. Have they? What's happened? They, they have. David Gill is set to be named uh, FIFA vice president. Wow. But he's gone from Manchester United under the Glazers to FIFA. He really does like working for evil empires, doesn't he? He does. Do be evil. That's his, <laughs> uh, that's his slogan of davidgill.com. Imagine what kind of moral vacuum you must have in your head if you're prepared to go and take a senior position within FIFA. Ah, oh, he's going to he's going to change it from within. <laughs> he's going to change his bank account from without. FIFA, you will not be surprised to hear. Do not publish. Uh, they're not even anywhere near transparent with the uh, the wages that the leadership of their non profit organisation. <laughs> I know you're one of the most corrupt organisations on the planet. Uh, that's the Galluminati. <laughs> yes, uh, and and then there's FIFA. <laughs> I mean, they're a match made in the darkest circles of hell, aren't they? I mean, seriously though, like. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm doing him something of an injustice, but and, and maybe he actually does have a, some sort of reform agenda, but that is one heck of a cushy job at some seriously... There, there is a heck of a moral grey area there, isn't there, taking that job? I mean, I guess uh, a FIFA vice president, I don't, I don't know if they're on the full-time payroll, but I'm sure there's some brown envelopes in it. I mean, honestly, he's jumped out of Satan's anus and into Seth Blatter's lap. It's just bizarre. I mean, I guess this is what David Gill wanted uh, because yeah, he was up for a UEFA job, wasn't he? For a while, he's been moving in political circles in football for, for a while and, and um, you know, it will top up his pension and all that. So fair enough. Not sure it would have been the move I made. No, and, and you know, I'm inclined to lean on the side of not 
judging a person until I've walked a mile in their shoes and looking for some sort of reason beyond the obvious. But yeah, that not particularly edifying involvement with FIFA. But you know, we all do stuff for work, right? We all do things we don't necessarily want to do for the sake of uh, work. This might just be a, a bit further down that line than is comfortable. Indeed. Well, that that's, uh, you know, that's FIFA for you. Uh, we've got much more positive things to talk about, haven't we? Like Stephen Jarrett getting sent off at Anfield. Lols. <laughs> Let's just recall this again. You you say Steven Gerrard got sent off at Anfield in his last appearance against United. And amazingly, that wasn't the most beautiful thing that happened in the game because of Juan Mata's stunning, stunning, stunning goal. It takes something to overshadow Steven Gerrard getting sent off, but I think he just about pulled it off with that goal. What a game. What a performance. And... And what a two-game run that United are on. We'll be back to talk about whatever happens between now and the next time we get together to record one of these. If you want to get hold of us in the meantime, thanks to the marvels of modern technology, you can do so. And get me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast. You can get Ed at United Rant. Uh, get us both at facebook.com slash United Rant, where there's been more happening lately. And you can read what Ed has to say on unitedrant.co.uk while we're away from the podcast. Some fantastic other writers there. Lots of interesting data rants from Jay. And uh, you've expanded the, the stable a little bit, haven't you, Ed? Well, I've always taken the, uh, the the kind of open arms approach to writers. So if they if you if you want to write for United Rant, do it. I, I have to say, I'm an absolute pain as an editor, as everyone who writes for United Rant will uh, attest to. So I, I I'm finicky when it comes to quality, but but please do write to me, editor at unitedrant.co.uk. Absolutely. Um, you can read what I've got to write on Bleacher Report and on a new destination soon to be announced. Ooh, as uh, exciting exciting new things on the horizon. W- will you be writing listicles? No. New stuff. Yeah, new stuff. No more listicles. Well, I'm still going to do loads of listicles. I really like listicles. I've always liked listicles. I like clicking on them and going through and going, ah, that's who's number one. Brilliant. See? Appeal of the modern day internet summed up in one sentence. Anyway, enough of all that sort of thing. So yeah, if you want to read what me and Ed have got to say between now and the next time we talk to you, there's plenty of places you can do that. I'd like you to write an article. Your next Bleacher Report piece should be 10 reasons why Stephen Gerrard getting sent off at Anfield was funny. (laughs) I think we'd have to go for something a bit more hyperbolic. Was the funniest thing that's ever happened? Yes. I think that that works as a headline, right? There there you go. Yeah, you see, that's it. I don't do clickbait. (laughs) Um, I'm worried about how quickly my brain sprung into action and constructed that sentence. Um, But anyway. So if you want to help to support the show, you can do so at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. We are donationware for at least the rest of this season. And we'll, I'm pretty sure we'll never charge to bring you the Rankcast. So if you want to uh, keep us, keep us up and going, that's uh, much appreciated. Very good. Well, this has been fun. Not quite as funny as Stephen Gerrard, but we'll be back with you after the international break or maybe during it uh, with a preview, a uh, post view of Aston Villa versus United. I think United will get another three points and be driving onto that Champions League place. Yes, come on, you Reds. <laughs>